0: Today's reading is from Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25, so please turn in your Bibles if you have one. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord.
1: If you've seen the 1998 film by Steven Spielberg, Saving Private Ryan, Uh, I wonder who you'd consider its most important character. I'm not actually talking about the Tom Hanks role. I'm not talking about Private Ryan, who Hanks' detachment goes to try and find. I'm not talking about any members of that detachment. I'm talking about an often overlooked character in that film, the War Department clerk who actually starts that whole movie going. And we meet her typing up letters to send to parents, informing them of the deaths of their sons and daughters in combat. And when she spots an address multiple times in a row, she realizes that a mother is about to hear that three of her sons have died in war. And so she takes the letter that she's written to her superior, who then takes it to General George Marshall, and he orders a detachment to immediately go and to try and find the fourth son, Private Ryan, and to bring him immediately home. The clerk is an apparently minor role, but she impacts the lives of countless other people. And this morning, we consider an often much overlooked person in the Advent story. We want to look at Joseph. Joseph and how God calls this young man into a role and a position of significant influence. I want to speak about how any of us can become a person of influence for God. Perhaps you think you play an apparently minor role in life's great movie. Well, our scripture is about how God calls each one of us, in whatever role he's given us, to make a major difference. It reveals how we can be ordinary people in the eyes of the world, and yet we can be as close to Jesus as hands and feet and breath, sharing in his mission. Because God's desire is always to deepen and mature our character and to expand our sphere of influence for him, for his kingdom and to his glory. And the first thing that we see in this passage is that when God calls you, the message comes in the mess. The message comes in the mess. We start with an amazing love story. Matthew writes, Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But this love story has just been derailed. And the result is a total mess. Joseph has just learned that Mary is pregnant and not by him. Imagine his turmoil. Imagine his heartbreak. In Jewish law, you would be a betrothed to one another, you would live separately for 12 months, and then you would come together and at that time uh, be formally married. But you're already husband and wife. And now, all of that wreckage. And Joseph faces three choices about what he can do about his situation. It's like some kind of impossible TV challenge. What would you do? Would you break off with Mary? Break off with her publicly? In which case she might well be stoned for adultery. Would you stick with her and ensure that she's safe, but actually endure public shame? Because everyone thinks that either she's had an adulterous relationship or that you've slept together, the two of you, when you shouldn't. Or would you privately divorce her, staying within the bounds of the law, having to end the relationship, but protecting Mary as best you can? It's a car crash of a situation. But Joseph's thoughts are much more for Mary's safety here than for his own feelings about having felt wronged and been wronged. Matthew writes, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. It's very honourable behaviour, very honourable. And yet, he's still trying to control events according to his limited understanding, as all of us so often do In Joseph's eyes, it's a mess. And perhaps you find yourselves in a mess in this particular moment of your life this morning. Joseph needs a revelation to give him a larger perspective, one which comes right from the beating Father heart of God. Because Joseph may have been living inside a great love story with Mary until this time. But there's actually a much, much bigger love story that God wants to invite him into. And if we read earlier in the chapter from where Anna's just read, what we see there is that Matthew gives us the family history of Joseph, linking him right back to Abraham and establishing him as a son of David. You see, Joseph doesn't see God's call coming, not at all. But God's call can come in our lives at any moment, including in the middle of a mess. Here God has already done the choreography. He's orchestrated the score, he's written the play, and now he's going to invite Joseph to step into role as the adoptive father of Jesus Christ. God wants to draw each one of you onto a much bigger stage than you've assumed you were made for. Which is why our first reaction when God calls us is generally fear. And why the angel here immediately says when he appears, do not be afraid. God's message comes to us in the mess and it instantly widens our Horizon, And that's unsettling. I remember a time I was trying to uh, write and direct in the world of film. And I was torn between kind of dedicating myself to popular entertainment or something more substantial. And I stepped out of a secure job in order to try and enter the freelance life of a screenwriter. With Hollywood very much in my sights. And after nine months uh, attempting to screenwrite in that way, I crashed and burned, having found out that I wasn't made for that kind of life and having drained our family bank account dry. I was knee-deep in trouble, knee-deep in the mess. And what did God do? He called me, in a fresh way. He called me to direct a film about the relationship between science and Christian faith, an amazing project with a big budget and potential impact in the world, but a project I would never have looked at while the hills of Hollywood were swimming before my eyes. The call came in the mess. And then we see in this passage that when God calls you, you need to stop and you need to behold. The ESV translation says that as Joseph is racking his brains about what to do, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. God's call comes when Joseph is asleep, when he's having a dream. I believe it's sometimes said that men love to be in control of life and of situations. I'm sure, Jen, my wife, will tell you that this isn't the case for me, but apparently uh, men find, hard, find it hard to surrender control and to listen Sometimes God has to act when our hands are off the controls. In this case, when Joseph is asleep. And now the angel says, behold. He actually says it twice. God says it over a thousand times in scripture. Behold. And that means open your eyes, pay attention, get with the program. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. When God calls us, we need to stop in our tracks. We need to receive His revelation and we need to look hard and to see. Now, you may say that God doesn't send you angels, but an angel is simply a messenger. This Joseph actually has four dreams in Matthew's gospel through which God messages him. But God can message you in many, many different ways. He can message you through the words of scripture. He can message you through prophetic words. He can message you through the prompting of the Holy Spirit or the words of a wise brother or sister. The important thing is that you recognise how God is particularly speaking to you. I remember a time uh, in my family's life when we were about to move to Bristol with our two very young children. And it really felt like God was in this, that this was his call. And I drove down to Bristol to try and find somewhere for us to live. And I saw two properties For rent, I actually saw about four, but it came down to two properties. And neither of them was ideal. Each of them had their plus points, but they also had some negatives. And as I left the second one in Rudthorpe Road, thinking, I'm really confused. I have no idea which home or community God is calling us into. I walked down the road, and I saw in front of me, on the pavement... In pink chalk, Rudthorpe Road is the best. <laughs> that was what was written there. Behold, decision made. <laughs> what does Joseph need to behold? He needs to behold God's greater love story. The angel says of Mary, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, which means God saves or God to the rescue. Because he will save his people from their sins. Behold, that's the second behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The angel is waking Joseph up to the extent of God's love about how God refuses to allow his people to perish and about how he is going to act sacrificially to redeem us from our mess by sending his son among us to die for our sins. God comes in a mess to rescue us from our mess. And if you were here a couple of weeks ago at our baptism services, we had baptism candidates speaking of this amazing love of God. One young man talked about how friends had prayed for him on a student weekend away. And he said this, I remember that in that moment, Jesus just reached out and plucked me out of darkness and wrapped me in a hug. And this feeling of grace, peace, and joy, which was just being poured out on me. Grace. Being forgiven, not because of anything we've done, but through God's grace. Hugged, knowing the comfort and the strengthening of God, the God who is with us. I wonder which of those aspects of God you need to receive more this morning. So God, since his vision and faith, challenged Joseph in a dream amid mess. You see, sometimes God initiates the apparent mess, as he does here before Joseph's call. Sometimes we find ourselves in a mess for reasons which are nothing to do with God's making. But he's still there, redeeming that mess seeking to give us perspective. Now, once Joseph has received this call, his outward situation remains completely identical. Nothing has changed. He's still betrothed to a young woman who is not pregnant by him. And yet, everything has changed. God has entirely reframed Joseph's way of thinking. And he's given him a key to unlock his situation. Now, let's be very real about what this all means so that we don't jump to any wrong conclusions. Does the dream answer all of Joseph's questions at this moment? Does this dream mean that his life will now be simple? Does it mean that his life will be free of difficulties? And in case you haven't read the rest of the story, the answer is no. Because Joseph will see his young wife give birth in a cave or a lean-to. Mess. He'll have to race with his family to get away from Herod's murderous troops. Mess. They'll have to live as a refugee family in Egypt. Mess. But... When God calls you, he gives you the courage to carry the cost. And there is a cost for Joseph. After the dream, Joseph takes Mary to his home, concluding their marriage. And that must be despite the rumors that will still stalk them about how come there's a child coming rather too early. Mary must have slept with another man, or she and Joseph must have slept together before they should have. Before the dream, he sought to save Mary from public disgrace. Now he's going to bear personal disgrace instead. He agrees to be a fool for Christ because of God's calling on him. Being in God's calling doesn't mean we don't face trouble. Jesus says you will face trouble in this world. But Joseph trusts in God's unfolding work. God gives Joseph courageous obedience and he enables him to accept even what he doesn't understand. Perhaps you're at a moment in your life where you're finding it really hard to accept some of the things in your life, some of the things which God seems to be permitting but which you don't understand. And I believe that God this morning, he doesn't want to see you swallowed up by anger or bitterness about any of these things, any of these difficult circumstances. Now, of course, sometimes we question why we have to bear a call That's a very human thing to do, and I'm sure Joseph did it at times. In Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, Frodo complains bitterly to Gandalf at one point, I wish I had never seen the ring. Why did it come to me? Why was I chosen? And Gandalf replies, Such questions cannot be answered. You may be sure that it was not for any merit, that others do not possess. But you have been chosen and you must therefore use such strength and heart and wits as you have. The decision lies with you. Responding to God's call is always our free choice. God prefers someone who makes a sacrifice to somebody who is forced to it. And that includes to being the adoptive father of Jesus. And now Gandalf lays his hand on Frodo's shoulder and he says this, I will help you bear the burden for as long as it is yours. When we say yes to God, God always sends his help. He always makes sure that we'll have sufficient grace in any trial for any adversity because he is Emmanuel, he is God with us. And this is such a relief, I think, to know because Joseph isn't complete on the day that he receives God's call. None of us is complete in terms of the calling that God has laid on our lives. Joseph isn't a perfect father. You may remember how he and Mary managed to lose Joseph, Jesus for 72 hours while they're on a spiritual holiday. I remember taking my eyes off my three-year-old daughter in her older brother's school playground one day while hundreds of other adults were milling about. And suddenly she'd gone. And for several minutes, I stalked around the playground, desperately looking for her, and on the pavements outside. And there was no sign. Blind terror. Until I wondered why my hands were clutched to my chest, And I realised it's because they were holding her ankles... ...and she was sitting on my shoulder. (laughs) We can all get distracted. We can all make mistakes following God's calling. We all mess up following God's calling on our life. But when God calls... God equips, and Joseph rises courageously to every adversity he faces. Now, this morning, are you bearing a cost following God's calling on your life? Are you weary of the role that he's given you? Do you feel that you're lacking in courage for what you're facing ahead? Then, this morning... After we've received communion, when we have a time of prayer ministry, please come and receive prayer at the front because God wants to minister to you. And then in this passage, we see that when God calls you, you can have major influence in a minor role. We all, in one sense, share God's call on Joseph's life, which is to be a person who has a shaping influence on whatever cause or project or child or community God has given us to steward. Does this mean that we will always feel significant in the world's eyes following that call? No. And what moves me most about Joseph, aside from his obedience and his patience, and his quiet dignity, and his moral courage is this. He says nothing in scripture. He doesn't say a single recorded word in the Bible. Now, of course, he's not mute. Matthew's final line in our passage about Joseph is this, and he gave him the name Jesus. And when you give a child in Jewish culture their name, That means you're the person who will call out their identity. Joseph is given to be the earthly father of our saviour Jesus Christ. Just as God will be his heavenly father. It's an extraordinary calling. But scripture records Joseph speaking not a single word. He just doesn't appear to hog the spotlight, which may account for the relative absence of him in our preaching and teaching. When I worked as a theatre director, I studied an early 20th century Russian theatre director called Stanislavsky. And Stanislavsky was a director who was passionate about this that every part, every role on stage was equally significant and equally to be valued. He said this, there are no small parts, only small players. And the small player is the actor who inwardly resents his or her role because it doesn't have enough stage time or lines. Maybe you feel unseen in your life right now. You're not unseen in God's eyes. You can be a person of influence and almost invisible to the world. Your spiritual stage time or lines do not determine the measure of your influence or your impact. We don't hear much about Joseph's fathering, but we see the fingerprints of it all over Jesus' life. And I believe the portrait of the father in the prodigal son parable tells us much about Joseph's fathering. Never swallow, swallow the lie that if you aren't applauded by the world, that somehow you're less in the eyes of God. You see, others may see Joseph as a minor player, but Joseph actually has an unsurpassed role in God's salvation plan. Joseph is the father to the father to the fatherless. Joseph is the invisible man who makes visible the invisible God. However unpromising your circumstances, God wants you to reframe them and to be able to name them Jesus. In 2005, the Christian band Mercy Me, they released a song called Joseph's Lullaby. And in it, Joseph sings over his baby son I believe the glory of heaven is lying in my arms tonight, but Lord, I ask that he, for just this moment, simply be my child. You can be in the most ordinary situation in the world, but you can partner with and hold the glory of God right in your hands You may be seeking a new call in your life at this moment. Or you may be coming to that work or that child or that community or that project that God has given you, seeking to influence it in a fresh way today. But whatever, be encouraged by the example of Joseph and be a person Of influence for God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to come to the communion table now, but let's just uh, say a a prayer for a moment before Simon leads us. And so we say, Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for Joseph. Thank you that you could take a poor carpenter, a very ordinary man, and do something extraordinary with and through him. And we pray, Lord, for your blessing on our lives now. In Jesus' name, amen.